severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello and welcome to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I'm of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and I'm, I forgot, basically, I'm going to level with you guys, I forgot to record this week's intros. Elliot gave me a reminder about 10 minutes ago, it's quite late at night, and I'm actually recording this week's intro on my girlfriend's phone in my girlfriend's cupboard, because the best sound quality in the flat. So apologies if the quality isn't as good, but this week we have brilliant episode in store. This is the first of our live specials from the Edinburgh Fringe, so this week's episode was recorded on the 10th of August at the Voodoo Rooms as part of the PBH Free Fringe. Massive thanks to them again for for giving us the space and the platform to do this and we were joined by Brown Bears Matt Hickman and Sylvie aka Jodie Findlay for a brilliant chat about the Scottish music industry it was a great crowd it was a brilliant night I was very nervous to begin with but I, f- I really enjoyed the chat it was so fun great laugh you're gonna love it and if you're listening again and you're there then you're getting to enjoy it twice but for those people that couldn't make it I hope you enjoy it was a really good one to do and it was a pleasure to take the podcast to an audience and of course we'll be releasing the rest of our live special so next week we'll have our conversation with black scott pod that was recorded last week as well and we still have one live show to go at the Edinburgh fringe so if you're about on wednesday evening tomorrow the 24th of august at 20 past seven we are playing again in the voodoo rooms and we're going to be interviewing regular podcast guests joe o'neill jasmine gleason and rebecca riddle it's going to be a brilliant night of celebration for the podcast hope to see as many of you down there as possible but if not it will be available as an episode as usual and the biggest reminder of all is it's free so no excuses really but yeah hope you enjoy this week's episode it's going to be a good one and thank you again to matt and jody for coming down it was a pleasure to record with them so enjoy and i'll be back at the end with a little bit more waffle Hello Edinburgh, hello. This is, um, thank you for coming out on this very warm day and sitting in a dark room to listen to us talk. Much appreciated. Um, We'd never done anything quite like this before. Uh, We've done like one live show, so this is uh, very new. So we'll see how we get on. Might be some, we'll we'll just just roll with it. Um, But I couldn't be joined by two better people to to kick off this first in conversation um, of the Free Fringe. Um, We're joined by Brown Bears Matt Hickman. And Jodie Finlay, a.k.a. Sylvie. So thank you both for coming out. It's lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We weren't sure if they're going to have a walk on or not, but as you can see, it's quite a small room, so we sort of had to start it on the stage, which was a bit weird considering, um, you know, we're all sort of so close together, but we'll, we'll just, we'll roll with it. It'll be good. Um, so how are you both anyway? You'd had quite a, both had quite a busy week. You were in the, the, the Sunday Times, right? Yesterday? The Scotsman, I should say. Yep. Yeah, M- the mistake Scotsman. straight away. There we go. Good start. Um, and Matt, you did a guitar guitar session this week, so both been busy. Yeah, yeah I, d- I mean, I filmed it about a month ago, but that's how it goes, <laughs> isn't it? Like, you film stuff for, and then you wait a month, and then it comes out, and everyone goes, "You're so busy," and I've been sitting at home thinking, <laughs> life, "Life's shit." Like, but yeah, it's good, man. Yeah. I mean, you've both been on the podcast before couple of months ago but like you know so this is going to be a bit different today because usually i have a format on the podcast i can hide behind but today we're sort of doing a deep dive into the scottish music scene we'll see what happens um but i thought it'd be good if you could both maybe start by 
introducing yourself. Just tell us, remind you know some of the audience might not know who you are. So just a bit about what you do, um, your music, and yeah, start with you, Matt, if you want. Okay, yeah, I'm Matt. I'm the lead singer of Brown Bear. Uh, I guess we get called indie music a lot, but I feel like I'm a songwriter, so I'm trying to start this thing called Indie Soul and make it like a total brand. So when you leave here, you go, oh, I met the godfather of Indie Soul. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just I've, I've been doing music since I was young. And um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than like, it's just been like my passion my whole life. I was obsessed with music from being young. And uh, I was shit at school, so I used to just write lyrics in my, my jotters and that. And then I kind of... Became went from a hobby to a job, and I've been I've been doing it since. And, and through that, I've been able to get into some amazing things, do some bit of film and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've been dead blessed to be a creative my whole life and not have a real job. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole ethos of the podcast, isn't it? How about you, Jodie? Yeah. So my name's Jodie. Hi, my name's Jodie, um, and I perform under the name Sylvie as an artist. Um, and I started in lockdown 2020, so nearly two years now. So it's been quite a quite a rocky road because of uh, lockdowns and cancellations and stuff so just kind of starting to get gigging now I did my first gig in February um, and I have released five singles so far and I've just released the fifth one and I kind of feel like I've settled in the genre that I want to do which is sort of alternative soul rock I would say it is um, and yeah just kind of trying to get going with it now no it's cool um, bless you <laughs> it's fine. We'll, we'll keep it in the background when it goes out. Um, I just wanted to quickly address as well the fact that like this was the only other chair available on the venue, so I am like kind of sitting weirdly above you, both looking down very intimidatingly. Um, but I, I sort it. of asked you both this when you were on the podcast last time um, about well, obviously Matt, you're in the band Brown Bear, but sometimes people just sort of think you are Brown Bear as well. It's kind of a deliberate thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always good to have a thing that people gauge it as, but they're kind of amazing. It's a, it's a weird thing because I, I do live like it's a band, but they're not. It's not a band, so it's really strange. But it's always the same members, um, and yeah. So like, but it kind of it kind of leaves an awkwardness for people because they don't know what to call me. They're like, "Can we call you Brown Bear? Is that okay?" That's like, literally been me all day thinking yeah. how we're going to introduce. <laughs> yeah, and, but then sometimes they, I don't know. It's, uh, people just pick and choose, but I, I don't mind honestly. I think it's like kind of cool. We have a have a nickname and. Um, I don't know if I have to tell the story about why they were called you could, that. You could do it again if you want, it may as well, just for a minute. Whatever, I mean, got time. Pick, pick, someone shout a number between one and three and I'll pick a story and tell you. Six. Six. Oh. There you go. Right, Can you do that one? Right. So, um, I grew up in Largs. I bet anyone from been know what Largs is. Ooh, Nobody Largs. knows what, don't even know what Largs is. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what Largs is. Well, it's a wee seaside town. Once upon a time ago, a long time ago, in a seaside town called Largs. And <coughs> there was a footballer called Sandy McCallum, but everyone called him Brown Bear because I think his mum had been called Sandra Brown. He was called Sandy McCallum, one of those towns where everyone knows the name. And he was a defender, big guy. Everyone called him a bear. So that's the thing in Largs, he's called Brown Bear. And then I thought, well, I'm going to be a, a, an honour to big Sandy McCallum. And that's why I'm called Brown Bear. There you go. Is that story true? We'll never know. Well, if, <laughs> if I run out of questions there in the show, I'm just going to get you to shout the number thing again. Yeah, it's a good we'll time for me. We'll tell so the next one. I mean, I, I've, to, I've told a different story in every show I've ever been on. So. There you go. Sylvie, do you have anything like that behind your name you could get the audience to engage with? Or is it a bit more straightforward? Um, it's quite deep. Let's um, do it. Yeah, so basically it's an ode to both my grannies. Um, my granny on my mum's side, her surname is, her maiden name is Sylvester. 
Um, so if you abbreviate Sylvester to Sylvie, you get uh, Lady of the Wood in Latin. And, um, yeah, and, uh, okay. and then uh, in Latin, uh, Sylvie means Lady of the Wood. And my granny on my dad's side, she lived in a street called Wood Place my entire life. So it kind of felt right and not random at all. Very, very intentional. So yeah, that's I had to go with something yeah. I connected with. I hope that one's true. That one nice. is. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> my granny's my, my, my granny's maiden name's like Smith. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought before we sort of go on to talk about the Scottish music industry in a bit more depth, it might be also nice to talk. You have a new single out very recently, Burning. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? We heard a little bit at the start of the show. Yeah, you heard a wee bit. Um, yeah, Burning came out I think just under two weeks ago. And yeah, I'm really pleased with the response. Thank you so much if you've streamed it so far. Um, it's, yeah, it's opened a few different doors that other singles haven't. So, so I'm really enjoying just kind of finding my sound a bit more and liking it, actually, you know, liking it because some of my other singles I've been a bit on the fence about because I've tried loads of different genres and to kind of try and explore different stuff so it's nice to finally settle in something that I feel quite comfortable in and uh, yeah Burning's cool. No it's a great well, tune it's hot, it's very, very cinematic as well it could be like a Bond song I'm sure that one have you had that one a few times from interviews? Bond, Peaky Blinders and um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh it's <laughs> a range. Yeah yeah Peaky Blinders I've, I've never seen so I don't know. I'd, I'd take that as a compliment yeah. yeah it's got a great soundtrack. Oh yeah. well there you go. Yeah. You got any more we could add to that list or? Yeah, just someone sink it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I don't I don't think I, I I don't know. I don't ever listen to music like I think I do this thing where I just listen to music and I think, "Oh, what would the music video be?" That's like my obsession, so. Yeah, I love doing that as well. It's for films and stuff like yeah. what would I pick for the song? So yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Matt, you were just on tour. I saw you in Dunfermline. It was sadly they're not the best on it, but the rest how was the tour? It was good. It's always a, a weird thing to be on tour in Scotland because it's like You'll do Glasgow and Edinburgh and Aberdeen and think this will be great as a city, and uh, and they were good. But then you go to St Monans and it's like, yeah. the people are like, "Fucking hell, no one's ever played a gig here," and it's yeah. mad. And it's uh, we got to travel all over. We, I did a show in Mull, um, and it was so good. And <coughs> it was again this whole thing of touring Scotland. Like they booked us as a band, and they got in touch about two days before and went, uh, "We don't have the infrastructure in this island or venue to have the band. <laughs> Could you just come yourself?" And I was like, "Fuck it, here we go." And um, I'm not going to do this tonight. I kind of stupidly said, do you know what, like, let's break the ice. You just can ask me anything you like. And, you know, people are dead shy, and they start asking me stuff. And, you know, back and forth, and somebody had asked me, like, wow, what are you into? And I was like, oh, my dad, he was a big music fan. He loves it. Sugar, like, sugar babes to Queen, just flippantly. And it got to the end. I was like, the last song's coming up. One last question. The girl shut out her chair, and it was like, what's your favourite sugar babe song? And I was like, <laughs> and, I, and I'd said it so flippantly, and I didn't know what to say, so I just went, ah, my dad's dead. And then it was just fucking <laughs> awkward, and that that was the end of the show, and that was it. So I'm never doing that again. But everybody bought records out of pity, so it was a win-win. There you go. That's yeah, good. good. Well, I'm glad that um, the tour yeah, was a the success. Tour. There you go. But like, I was kind of going to ask this question later, but it feels like a, a good tangent to sort of go straight into it now. But we talked about this when you were on the podcast last time about the importance of music being taken to local people and obviously mm. there's an attitude in you know a lot of things that you know people just come to Edinburgh Glasgow to see a show but then you know people forget they cost people money especially I mean I'm originally from Glen Rothfuss you can boo if you want um, <laughs> but you know what I mean like um, you know but like that you know growing up like I would go through to Glasgow and Edinburgh and stuff to see bands but it wasn't cheap you'd have to get a train ticket they'd probably be 20 30 quid that was back then nowadays in this 
current Tory climate, it's probably like, what, 50, 60 quid for a show. So, yeah. you know, it's, you know, taking music to the people is important. It's class that you do that, but, you know, yeah. that you I, I think um, somewhere along the line, I realised, like, we were just doing gigs for gigs sake. And it was actually, um, I've always done shows in Ayrshire because it's where I'm from. And we did a venue called Harbour Arts Centre and they do this amazing thing where to come into the show, even with your ticket, you have to bring a bag for a food bank. And they just have this total community thing. And I said, oh, I love that. So I ended up, the only show I did during lockdown was for Ayrshire Food Bank. And then after that, I said, you know what, why are we, like, in a way, like, touring's vain. And I know it's like a necessity, but there is a vanity to it where it's like, we're touring to be seen. And I was like, I don't really care for that. So now I was like, how, how do we change that? And we said, well, we want to go and do more shows that are like for community and how do we engage? Like e even when we come to certain places and do shows, you know, we're seeing people travel for it. And I'm like, how, how do we engage with the people who were like me when I was young and I didn't go to shows or there wasn't access to shows? So, and I'm a big believer that like music is a community thing. It's for people yeah, and it's course. become this thing of like, instead of going and paying like five to ten pounds to see the future. Folks save up a hundred quid to see my Ed Sheeran half arse it, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it's so strange that people go, I can't afford to come to your gig, but then they go to these massive arena shows where you're just a, a number and a cog and like, I don't know, it's kind of soulless to me and it's, and it's and the, and the, the venues are getting so big, it's like, how do you even enjoy it? You're like, you must be watching the screen. Yeah. There's no way you're seeing the person. So I don't know, that's just become the thing. And it's it's been difficult for me to tour since because I've just kind of been like, I don't, I don't love it the same. And, I just want to have that connection and be able to sit and talk to folk about songs and go like, you know, this is I actually wrote this song because this, or, and that's when people realise, oh, that song's about that, and they listen and then they go, hey, that affected my life, and that's to me the success as a songwriter is always, if someone listens to a song and they feel understood, that's actually your job. It's not about, oh, this is cool, or like how many people listen to it on whatever. It's like, did you connect with that person? Good success, and that so. I, I guess, like, probably like everyone in the room, like, lockdown just changed the way I thought about things, and that's why I gave a bit more community focused. Hundred percent. No, that's that's great. Um, do you have like similar feelings of it? I know you've been doing it a little, a lot less time than than Matt, but I thought that was actually why you'd both be so good to have on the panel because you both have had different time in the industry. So it's great to get two sort of different perspectives. But as somebody who's maybe been in music for only a couple of years, do you, have you do you feel the same way as Matt? Is it, have you had that experience so far? Yeah, I mean, I think because. <laughs> When you're when you're first starting out, you do you rely on people making that connection because you're not having millions of people, you don't have that kind of reach yet. So you are relying on that random person from high school messaging you, being like, "Oh yeah, I actually really like that song." And um, yeah, for me, it's about making connections as well. Um, but I think because I want to try and trans translate into sort of doing it full time. For me, I still need to try and create that momentum to get to a certain point where I can do it as a career. So, um, but yeah, connection is always, I mean, ultimately, if you never make it, you're going to always think of the people that you've connected with anyway. So it's always going to be at the forefront of it for me oh, as well. 100%. I mean, that, that's one of the, the best things about this podcast. I mean, thank you to everyone again for coming out. It's like the people you get to speak to. And it's like, I don't think, really, at the end of the day, it's lovely when people listen. It's lovely when people show up and, and listen to us talk. But, you know. At the end of the day, as long as you know, it's the conversations we get to have that are worth it. So I imagine it's the same for music. Um, but I thought another question to sort of kick off our sort of deep dive as a market this show is um, about the Scottish music industry. Uh, first, I want to ask you, what, what's the best thing about being a musician in Scotland? A nice positive one to start. I was like, not me. <laughs> you can take your pick. I probably should direct which one's better. You, you can go. You can go, Jodie. Um, 
Um, okay, okay, so there is, there is definitely a community aspect to it, which is amazing. Um, people, I think, when you get, when you do finally get to a certain point, people do want to get behind you. But I think they're, for me, oh, no. If I need to be positive, yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna give you like an alternative to to that. But yeah, there's a community aspect of it, and I think people in Scotland want to get behind the person where they're from, or even not necessarily um, where you're from. Like once it gets to a certain point, you. Um, it, it just becomes anybody in Scotland. It doesn't matter what area of Scotland they're from. People want to, to support that because it's one of their own sort of things. So, but I think originally it starts with the local area. People are like, oh, they're doing really good. So, but yeah, there's definitely a flip side to that as well. Yeah. No, I, but I mean, what I will say about the Scottish music industry, whenever I have guests like yourselves on, when I put the episode out on Twitter or Instagram, like the support for those episodes is insane. Like I get so many followers messages from people. It's, it's lovely. And I'm kind of jealous. I'm like, we have a bit more of that in TV where I work. Like that would be great. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of lovely people in TV to be clear. I'm not, not slagging the whole industry, <laughs> but you know, it is particularly really supportive in Scotland and it's great. It's like, for example, even the posters going out for this show, like, the amount of you guys like followers the stuff that we're sharing them and, and encourage people to come along. It was lovely to see. So the Twitter community literally blows me away every single day. Like no matter what happens, I just always feel so supported by them, and I've been really taken under their wing, so to speak. Um, like from lockdown, and then they've started coming to my shows as well. And sometimes during lockdown, it felt like it, the world was never going to go back to normal. But then the Twitter community, you would wake up with notifications from them, and you'd be like, "It'll be okay. Things will." Things will go right one one day eventually, and um, yeah, definitely the twerk community are like unstoppable. They're crazy, so good. Massive shout out to them. They're very they appreciate yeah. all their help. Uh, Matt, what about you? Um, are you? Uh, what's the best thing about being a musician in Scotland? Um, I think because I think there's a great thing in Scotland where we have this sense of uniqueness because as a people we kind of know who we are. And and because we're so because a bit like TV, like the bulk of the industry is London, but we're so far removed and left out. We've kind of like we don't. Ha whenever I'm down south and we go to London, you start to see bands and acts, and they all have this kind of same look, or they, they there's this fashion of the week, or they have this weird attitude, and it's like we're kind of removed from it. And you meet, it's, you don't just. I feel like you don't just meet people, and it's like, oh, that's that band, or that you, you meet everyone, and they're just their own thing, and it's their own vibe. Sometimes by area you go, oh, I can I, I can guess they're from them family because they've got this sound or whatever. But you know, what I mean, there's little like micro scenes, and it's very just of themselves. So yeah, I think I think we're kind of protected from being too industry focused, and people go, hey, it's music first, and you don't get too much of the like trying to be something because you think you'll sign a deal. So I think one of the positives is that kind of national identity and support and that thing where you can go up and be like. Hey, like we can do whatever, and we have like a huge jazz scene in Glasgow, and uh, we've got a hip hop scene in, in Aberdeen and in Glasgow, and in Edinburgh, we've got soul. You know what I mean? We've got every every genre, and like it's cool. Like I think it's like I think that's the thing, and the ability to connect. I I just wish there was more. There was a bigger connection. Like you know, it's, sometimes it's up to bands to make that jump to go to different places, and and other places don't talk to each other and try and go. Hey let's pull this away from being like Glasgow and Edinburgh because it kind of sometimes feels like there's only one city or two cities in Scotland when there's a lot, you know. But other than that, I think, yeah, that kind of national, unique identity. Do you think it's almost that we don't have the infrastructure in place to make that happen or is that just something that will come with time? Or um, I think it's a bit of that. I think it's like, 
again, I think it's a small town thing where like I, I know people where I live say, oh, nothing happens here, but they put something on and no one goes. So there's like tough things like that. But yeah, I think it's partially infrastructure and you know, this, I think because we get this thing of like, oh, everything's in London and we're, we've got to think, how do we compete against that? We start to all think we're from the same city instead of going, actually, we don't need them yeah. because we've got all this market of our own. And if we had more faith in ourselves as a country and as a market, like, we'd, we'd do all right because we actually, we, we're one of the weird situations in the world where we are one of the only countries that X, like, Musicians leave Scotland to get signed down south or wherever, and we import our music back. So we're not exporting our own music, we're importing our own music. So once we change that mentality, I think we'll have a really big business up here. Like yeah, it's the same in telly. Like, it's yeah. what we're doing. Like, we, you know, we, we bring stuff up. And it's great. There's, I mean, Scottish industry is booming at the moment in TV, but a lot of the time we're bringing shows up that are they're still London based or they're, they, you know, they're set somewhere else, but we're filming them in Scotland and we're employing Scottish crew, which is a step. But like, you know, we need to tell our own stories. And, and then heads of department are still. From down south, that's so. also very true. Um, but it was great that people like ourselves are determined to stay up here and not move to London. So that that's a start. Um, well, on the flip side of this question, I was going to ask when I originally wrote this, I wrote what's the worst thing, but I thought that was too negative. So I'm going to ask what's the hardest thing about being a musician in Scotland in the current climate. So do you want to take this one first, Jodie? Um, okay, um, I would say the hardest thing is kind of I'm kind of going to contradict myself here because I said the community but I think the, the community so um you have like a you have this hardcore sector of people who would do anything for you and you know want to share everything that you do and and come to everything that you do and buy the vinyl when you make it I've never done it but people who do um, which ultimately supports artists and, and gives them their, their revenue and whatever because we don't get anything from streams. Um, but I think at the same time, I, I find myself right now in a sort of limbo of I'm not just starting out like I was two years ago, so people don't feel sorry for me anymore, that they're like, oh, that's a wee shame, I'll give that a share. And also, I'm not on the cusp of anything like like I'm about to... You know, I'm not like Madonna. So people aren't like, oh, I'm so proud of her. She's done it. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like this weird limbo of like people are kind of, people drop off the face of the earth. And, you know, you have that one friend who'll come to every show. But at first it was all your friends and they were excited for it. And it was a night out and they were so ready. And you felt like, oh, I'm going to have this support forever. But it happens with family members as well. Like even, for example my most recent um, release, it feels like it's been primarily the people who've came along the way and that are now supporting it, as opposed to the people who were there at the beginning. Um, it feels like they no longer... It's almost like, oh, she's not blown up yet, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to... It's, it's almost like it's too, it's too much hard work now to like continue supporting it. So I would say that's quite difficult because I think every artist, maybe before they, they do really well or whatever, probably go through that. I don't know if you've felt that way or if you feel that way, but yeah, yeah. It's almost like your friends and family are there at the beginning, but then they drop off. And then maybe if you do get something really big, then they want to jump back on it. But... Yeah, I really rely on like the people that I've met along the way who support me now, anyway, and like a few select friends and family. Yeah, I think it's I think it comes back to infrastructure. Like we don't have an infrastructure, and that makes it harder to 
gain momentum. And, and we come on, so we come under a strange thing. So quite often the offices for a UK-wide thing are Scotland and Northern Ireland, as if we're a region together, which is crazy. We're two separate nations. And then we don't have funding here necessarily for marketing, which is like, so we get a lot of support to create, but the creations are nothing in terms of a business if they don't go to market. We, we have to access the UK market fund, so we're competing against the whole of the UK, but they all they have their own marketing as well. So I think we have a, a lack of res like infrastructure and, and support from places that are like business oriented because we don't necessarily see music as a business because we don't have a music business in Scotland as an actual like unit, you know what I mean? And that comes down to radio and stuff like that. You know, like your Clyde's the biggest listened radio, I think, in Scotland. It's above BBC Scotland. They're owned by the Bower Group. They don't really play Scottish artists. If they do play a Scottish artist, they're a, a major label artist, so they're not being played because they're Scottish, they're because they're a major. If you don't have a major, how do you have the plugger that takes you to Bower that lets you get in the playlist? But if Bower realised that people do want to hear new artists, I mean, have you heard my songs as many times as Adele's? There's a chance you'd think I was as good or better or worse. We don't know, right? Because it's not going to happen. So, like right now, what happens in music is there's like four artists. They get up and they go, right? This is Sheeran's quarter. Then it's Adele's quarter. Then it's Swift's quarter. Then it's Bieber's quarter. Whatever it is, right? And even majors don't compete against each other now because they're like scared of the market. So when that is happening at the top, when you get down to our level, it's like if our own national radios don't have a quota to play in national artists, how do we grow infrastructure? And if they did, for example, I live in Ayrshire, West FM, if we were on their playlists, we start filling out venues in Ayrshire. If you're on Hart, Lothian, Edinburgh, then we swap, then you meet crowds, and then those local businesses, those local venues are full. They have people working, they have money, economy, right? Nobody's thinking like that, it affects everyone. If it, then people would have confidence in their local area to go to shows, it wouldn't all be, well, we'll save up and we'll just go to transmit. So it's like, until we have that belief and we start saying, hey, it's not even belief, it's like, it's really going above and beyond. It's, a, it's going for a quota and it's going, it's going to like Parliament and saying, hey, we need a quota to protect Scottish artists. That's what happened in film. Ireland, New Zealand, they've set quotas for heads of department, look at their film industry. Scotland, we can't do that because we're part of the UK-wide industry. So until we have a separate quota, we're never going to break those boundaries. We're always... Cause it doesn't matter how, e even with the best plugger in the world, they probably wouldn't take our next single on certain radios. I've spoken to people who work in those, who are producers, and said, love your music, can't play it, you're not, in the, you're not part of the Bower Group thing. Well, what is it your job is? If you're, if you're the producer and you can't get me on the show, what's happening? And I think until that changes, like that's going to keep stifling new music. And, and that's the, so that's probably, for me, the biggest issue and obstacle in Scotland. Thank you both for excellently answering that question as well. I mean, it is a little bit depressing, I guess, but like, you know, at least it's important to talk about it and draw attention to it. And, um, you know, my next question, I guess you kind of answered it because we're going to ask what do you think the biggest stumbling blocks are for young musicians? Well, I guess it's that, right? Yeah, that and, um, man, it feels like I don't want to get too negative, but I guess, like, you know, no, no one thinks about paying me. You, if you, like for the average, like for example, I've played major festivals, and say around the BBC Justin level, they'll pay bands like a hundred pounds. Now, how, how do four people in the band live on a hundred pound? Like, we have six members, so like, and again, without in the absence of a minimum wage for artists, how do we move forward? And venues always jump in and no, oh, we can't afford that. But it's like, but if you can't afford it, should you be doing it? Like, there has to be a give and take here, like that, because people aren't saying, hey, pay us two grand they're saying pay is a living wage. Like the living wage is, 
I think it was something like 90, 90 plus percent of professional musicians in the UK don't make the living wage. So, I, yeah, I, again, it comes down to like the lack of funding and infrastructure and the belief that arts have worth. Like until we believe that musicians deserve to be paid the same as any other job, yeah. like, and it's hard because the extreme is you see someone make it and they're a millionaire and people go, well, why do we need to fund them? Look at this guy, he's got a pool. But it's like, well, they are the one percent. Yeah, or they've been lucky and someone's picked them up and yeah. rich and being like, I like their music. Yeah, or, or the opposite. The other thing that happens is they give them all that stuff to look rich because that's selling the dream, but really you're selling a lie and it becomes damaging at the bottom because people are then thinking, well, I don't have to invest in them because once they make it, they'll look, they're paying their dues for the time they get the pool when it's like, well, actually most people just want to earn enough to pay their their wage, like pay their bills, pay for their food. And until we have that, I, I don't know what changes. I don't know how how we change it without saying without saying like you know unless you pay the minimum or not, which is what we did this year and why we're doing less shows because we said hey if ev everyone in our crew has a living wage, yeah. and if that's not covered we're not there because there's no way we should be coming back after the last three years and and that's the thing these venues got us to get out and sing on our couches to save them and every venue I've been in has a new PA system and new this but they're still not paying bands and like. Well, what we're we saving if it's not well, it's not the music it's not for the music clearly because you don't want to pay us so and I know it's unpopular to say that but I'm I'm kind of like older and I don't really care if I don't get booked so <laughs> I, I feel like I should say it for like new artists who have to go through that because I'm no, like well, no, fuck I, it like I, I'll know. I'll make something happen whatever way I've always I done mean, it that's what podcasting is for it's for having important conversations yeah. in long form so you know power to you it's, I, yeah. I, I, you know salute you for it um but just in a more to slightly be more positive because I know it is quite like no not in a can I just add something yeah, to that of course <laughs> you like can. Um, no of course. I think it, basically what Matt's saying it, it also completely alienates working class musicians because if you can afford like if you've got four people in your band and you know you need to take time off work that day to do that gig to travel down or whatever. Um, it completely means that it's limiting it to only people who can afford either to not work at all and do music, even at this level, that, for example, that I'm at, to do it full time and put everything that they have into it um, without having to do a day job to, to fund them the, the career and themselves. Um, so it completely alienates working class musicians when the only people who are getting to do stuff is like, oh, we need to do it for nothing first. It's kind of the same as um, like apprenticeships and, and all these types of things. Um, it totally just means that working class people don't get a look in because everything costs money and you also need to work. So you, you're doing your day job rather than actually getting the opportunities yeah. because they're not paying. I, I feel like you hear that in music as well. I feel like when I listen to music now, it doesn't feel like it says anything. And I think that's because so many people are middle and upper class and like can just 100%. afford to be in rooms and it's like, that's why we don't have that next like band or musician that you go, oh my goodness, like this is really it, and it means something because like yeah. those voices aren't being heard, and it's only it's a game for the rich. Like I, I see it all the time because how do you afford to tour? Right, it's like a tour, a tour support. You get offered a tour support, but a support fee is like fifty quid. So when you're touring in Europe for fifty pound a night, how how do you afford that? Like it's just not possible for working class people. Hundred yeah, percent. I think this sort of is also a problem. I mean, obviously this is recorded like maybe nearly 90 episodes now which is insane but like this is a common thing on the podcast when we speak to any creative from any industry I mean even myself like when I started out before I got the job I'm in now as a script editor like I worked in the COVID department and I had to like go to Glasgow to work on sets and spend money on my own hotels my own travel and like I probably like lost half my wage and I, you know I, I basically had to take the hit to get to where I am now yeah. 
And, you know, is, and that must be happening across. There'll be so many people in my position that maybe weren't lucky enough that they had a job that they could save to do that and haven't got, you know, and we aren't hearing their voices or seeing them working in the industry. And it is a, you know, it's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. I was working as a tour manager in between our own tours. So, like, I would tour manage for three months. I'd get home and I'd go away and tour with the band. I'd come back and everyone would be like, how's the time off? And I'd be like, I've just toured. Like, I've, you're away eight, nine months, but there's no other choice. I've, and I was like, well, I need to do it because I need to be able to afford to release the next single and you've got a video and you've got all, all the things that come with it. So even people who are working in music full-time, when they say that, they're probably working multiple jobs to be able, to, you know, they're not able to just... And then when that happens, it's like, how do you write? How do you have time to create if you're all your time is and the and then even when you get that time you're just worried like how am i going to make income and you can see all your money going down and you go i need to go and work again so like there's no there's no room for artists to really excel in their art yeah. if you're from a, back, a a background where you can't afford it because it's not just the it's not just the income and money it's also all the outgoings that you have to spend to get time in the studio and a lot of the time especially working class people, they've probably not got the connections yet either because they come from a working class background. So um, you don't have the connections yet, so you ha you're having to pay for the services, whereas sometimes um, with the case with people who are a bit well, more well off or they maybe already have connections in the industry so they can get sort of, they can get in a bit, a bit easier as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, um, this conversation, it's been, I mean, some really interesting stuff. I'm having to keep an eye on the time more than normal. So when we record on Zoom, when we interviewed both of you, I think we probably spoke for like a nearly an hour and a half. So we're on a bit less time tonight, sadly. So I'm going to keep it ticking along if I can. I can't even see the full clock. I'm to like, my, yeah, he's got me covered. There we go. Um, but I wanted to ask about sort of other Scottish artists apart from yourself. I mean, there's been loads of great bands and artists coming out. And I know you are very, for example, I know, Matt, that you often will take like various people on tour and put open for you as well and stuff. Um, and Sylvia, as you said earlier, you're very connected on Twitter and the community and stuff, but what other Scottish artists are sort of coming out that you think we should expect big things from, except for, apart from, obviously, your brilliant selves? Um, I would say the, the most exciting new artist out of Scotland at the moment, I would say, is Brooke Combe. Um, I think she's just absolutely killing it, and I also think that she's got a really good chance of going global, which she deserves, for one, but also because she's signed so she's got that machine behind her to be able to do that um but not only is she an amazing singer but she's also a really amazing songwriter and musician as well so yeah i would say if i was to pick anybody emerging artist wise it would be her I think that's a great show and i think uh kitty you know she's such a great writer she's doing great things in paisley bems she's like really blown up in that kind of hip-hop scene that's a great thing like there's so many now it's such a, a blessing because there's so many black artists in Scotland now doing doing amazing things and it's so diverse and it's like before it was just always white rooms, white white artists and it was kind of unheard of to see black people or, or you know, the, and the, the struggles to do that as a black artist was just mad. So it's to see people of colour now getting like a, an opportunity to platform it, we're getting to see so much more diverse sound in Scotland. So I think, yeah, there's like definitely Bems and Pay and uh, yeah, Kitty so, uh, and don't know. There's just so so. It's hard. It's hard to think on the spot. And I'm going. I'm going to go home and go. No. Oh my goodness, Mark Sharp and the Vice Coffee. Oh my goodness, like just a, a great guys from Lothian. And, uh, yeah, just there's just so many great musicians now, and they all every time I speak to them, all it's kind of the same thing. It's just how, how do we do that next step? But I think uh, we we just have a wealth of talent and a wealth of writers and a really really strong songwriters at the moment as well, which is my my cup of tea. So 
Yeah, hundred percent. I've also want to give Dictator a quick shout as well. I've obviously been on the podcast as well. What's great about this is I've had one guest on in the industry and music, and then I guess it leads me on to be able to get people like you, Matt, and then you, Jody, and then like hopefully even more great musicians as we as we keep recording. So it's great. Um, well, I want to take some questions from the audience at the end, so I need to leave ten minutes. So I think we've got about yeah, we've got twenty five minutes. So we're doing all right for time. So I want to quickly ask about um, you kind of touched on it there, Matt, but like. Do you feel that sort of in Scotland, as you say that you said, there's there is a more range of voices coming through? But do you think like there is still quite a lot of inequality apart from class? Like, do you think there's it's getting better? Um, <clears throat> I think it's hard to just blame it on Scotland, right? Because ultimately, music's an industry. So, like, when you see trans, but you can't say that's a Scottish reflection because it's got to reflect. It's an, an uh, uh, it's an industry festival, so it has to reflect the industry. So, uh, so. In terms of Scotland, you know, if you saw that few black artists and all you up, you might go, well, you know, there's that 5% of the population, but that's not the case when it's the music business and then you get into gender, uh, that's wild as well. So I, th I think there's huge issues because there's this belief of like, for so long, the only people you met in positions of power were like males. And a lot of them came from that old industry. So it was kind of like, oh, you know, like, drinking booze and it wasn't about like protecting like the well-being and the artists so like I, yeah I think there's huge inequality things but I think like it's it's so hard because how do you break it down because there's like your class working class people really struggle uh, female artists really struggle black artists really struggle and that's why it's great that there's so many organizations out there like swim that's like the the women the music uh, they're doing great things to tackle gender and then they've got we are here scotland and they're doing their best to like address things with race and art and um but then there's no real thing for working class people and then i could understand why then there's maybe angst for white working class people who think well i've never been funded because and there's this weird fallacy i hear where people go oh radio one's all white indie male bands and it's like if you're in an indie band you would know like when was the last time you had an indie band in radio one so there's these weird, weird things that get thrown out as fact and i go but statistically that can't be right and and i think they do rely on it a bit in festivals because it's the live thing but then when radio one is playing all these pop artists and they're very like churned out how are they going to go on and play that backing track for an hour like it's just so they have to come back to the bands they don't play so again it's like yeah, there's huge issues with equality, but I think it's changing. But my worry is sometimes it's tokenistic. Like I don't, I don't want to put, maybe you want to talk more about this. But like when they did Queen Tuts, I had like friends who are female artists, and I said I wouldn't play it because if they if they said to me, hey, we've got the black tent, I'd be like, well, I don't want to be just put in the corner because I'm black. Like we should be on the stage like everybody else. So to me, I felt like Queen Tuts was an offensive move, and it was just like, here's your piece of the pie. Shut your mouth. Yeah, and yeah. people should have said, nah, fuck that, because we're worth every slot on that stage um uh but at the same time i think i mean we all know that company we all know how they work why do we want to be part of it let's go make our own things it's better and cooler and fucking let them have let the same as spotify man you you have all the major label artists fuck you man like that's we were, we're going to start this new streaming service it's like all about independent arts it's all about community like we don't always have to sometimes we make the mistake of being like we should be there and it's like actually we should make something better yeah. and leave them being the dinosaurs they are. <laughs> Sylvie, I mean, I, I thank you as well, Matt. I mean, we kind of talked about this when you were last on the podcast about like being a woman in music and stuff. Like, How have you found that so far in early in your career? Like, What's your experience been in the industry? Um, 
Um, yeah, I mean, there definitely is. You, you just have to look at your friends who are doing it that are guys and um, compare your experiences and there, there's a definite difference. Um, and yeah, basically what Matt's saying, similar to what he said, um, the, when you get a, an opportunity and someone feels the need to at the end of the, the email go, because we're, we're really wanting to put on more female acts and you're like, oh, oh, so I thought you just wanted to put me on. Like, I thought you just thought I was good, not because I was a woman. Do you know what I mean? So, so I think people think that they're like contributing to the cause, which they are, but I don't think it needs to be that it's this token thing. It's really upsetting that it has to be. And especially when there is so many really cool new emerging girls coming out of Scotland, um, it's a shame that people feel the need to have to, it's almost like it's a chore to add them to their lineup as opposed to just because they're good. Um, so yeah, I would say that, and I would also say I think one of the main causes is because a lot of the industry is friends doing favours, and, uh, and if it's all guys at the top, then they're going to trickle down and they're going to give the favours to their friends, and a lot of it is quite kind of lads, 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 and they're going to take their friends on the tour, and then they're going to get the, the following from the back of their friend, and all these different things, it all kind of trickles down, and it starts, I think... I've, I've always kind of said it starts like with the, the community of people um, like when you're at a gig and then you go to an after party and they're passing around a guitar and uh, the girls just don't get past the guitar. You just kind of get overlooked and um, it's not even a gig but it's like the, the community that is built upon the gigs. A lot of the time sometimes the girl is on first. They're always on first. You can guarantee it. Um, and then a lot of the time people don't come till the headliner, so as a result don't see the female act. Um, and then at the party afterwards or whatever, they also don't get to show what they do. So it's kind of like, when is that going to change? Um, but that's the reason why I think it's, it's cool that you're seeing people like Brooke Combe do really well. Yeah, she smashed it. She was opening for Michael Kianuka there day I saw as well. That's amazing. Um, it's good to see. Um, well, as you both know, I don't think we even had time to this last time you're on the podcast, Matt, because well, I usually do quick-fire questions on the podcast. So tonight, I actually have to be a bit quicker than usual, because I think last time we went on about five tangents, didn't we, oh, Jodie? Yeah, I'm off. Yeah, so I've got a few here. So we'll start off, right, and Guilty Pleasure song. Is like, Do you have both have like a Guilty Pleasure that people would be surprised that you like listen to it? <laughs> one, I mean, you can throw in one uh, on the bus. Right? I'll go, come on, Eileen. It's a guilty pleasure, that's a tune. Oh, it's the great song. Really? I don't know, it's a bit old for me. So yeah, fair enough. Um, and I'll also go um, um, The Girls by Calvin Harris. I get all the girls, I get all the... There we go, Love yes. It. Absolute shower song and a half, if anyone wants to try. <laughs> I don't know, I, I, uh, I want to dance with somebody. Is that a, a, a yeah, I don't the think I don't believe in guilty yeah. pleasure. I was going to say, I was going to say, I was going to acknowledge this in the question. My girlfriend Amanda, I'm going to call it out here. She did love taking photo photos first tonight, massive shout and round of applause. Woo! But she was like, "Don't say that. Don't say, don't add that bit in." And I, w I was going to add that bit. In. I agree with you, Matt. I agree with you. I don't believe in guilty pleasures. So. Um, well, thank you anyway for answering that one. Um, another one is like I, I think I might have already asked you this one. To be fair, Jody, but we'll, we'll do it again. Like. What sh the wor like worst band names or artist names that you'd heard, or like have thought of calling your own act before? Is there like any ones that were terrible? I wanted to call myself uh, Jody Flower. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was I thinking? 
Jodie Flower. I think it's because I had a um, like an imaginary friend called Jodie Flower. Sorry, tangent. Anyway, quick fire. <laughs> Jodie Flower. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't really say the worst band names I've heard because it sounds like I'm shitting on bands. Don't I don't really want you to. It's m- more like your own ones. It's actually I mean, been Brown Bear's a pretty terrible name. I like it. Like, like if it. you Google Brown Bear, you'll literally but see like, pictures of bears. <coughs> Brown Bear, good cheer. <laughs> there, see, is it bad? Good marker, I, th- I think um, London Grammar is a pretty shit name, isn't it? Like, I thought you weren't going to say anything. Yeah, but they're they're famous. I think. I mean, it's rubbing it in your face, isn't they it? They can take it. It's yeah, like yeah. saying we went to private school. Fuck you. Like. There you go. That's, that's true. What's <laughs> the worst name in music? <laughs> let's let's uh, let's do a more positive. One. The fu- like funniest or best band names you'd ever heard or artist name. Surely Gallus Cooper. I think I think last time you said the vegan leather. I said the vegan leather. So I absolutely love that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I think mine's is pizza, pizza Crunch. There's a band in Scotland called Pizza Crunch. I think that's great. Yeah. Very good one. Um, this is really hard. I know you said you didn't look at the questions. I know you have, Jodie, so probably a hard one to answer. But favourite songwriter or a songwriter that you find that you often go back to? God, do you know what? I'm just going to say Graham Lyle. And if anyone doesn't know him, Google him. He was in Gallic and Lyle. And like, but he's from Larks. Wrote What's Love Got To Do With It for Tina Turner. And... It's just a fucking incredible human, and I'm big on songwriters who you don't know they wrote the songs, and so he's he's my favorite because he's from Largs, and I just think, oh my goodness, someone else is from Largs, that's class. So I feel like I'm I'm pure inspired by him, and just that like, oh, and he wrote for Michael Jackson and all that, so whatever, so that's amazing. So Graham Lyle, yeah, here we go. I'll go Stevie Wonder and Jensen McRae. Good answer. I think you said Stevie Wonder last. I think I, f- I apologize. I, f- I said some of these would be reused a wee bit. Yeah. Terrible for me. Um, I wanted How to quick ask was I there? That was very was quick. Really We're doing good. better than last time, much better. Okay. Still, we've got, got like 16 minutes to go. We're doing People will be either glad or sad. I don't know. We'll see. Um, another one, right, this again, solid, but it's like a lyric that you often think of, like a, a, or like a phrase from a song. Yeah, Stevie Wonder um, from As, his song As, um, just as kindness knows no shame, no through all your joy and pain, I'll be loving you always. Nice. Because, like, kindness shouldn't have shame, you know? <laughs> Definitely not. Okay. Matt? Oh, I'm obsessed with lyrics. I love lyrics. I think right, my favourite Scottish lyric, while I'm worth my room in this earth, I'll be a few proclaimers. Sunshine and leaf. <laughs> love it. Oh. And uh, my favourite... It changes all the time, but I really love um, the first verse of 1999 by Prince. And it's, I was dreaming when I wrote this, forgive me if I go astray. When I woke up this morning, I could have sworn it was Judgment Day. Sky was turning purple, there was people running everywhere. I tried to run from my destruction, but I know you didn't even care. And that's genius, because it's self-destructive. So. There we go, well, yes. Summed up. yes. Love it. Quick. <laughs> very, very quick. It's great. Right, and obviously, normally on the podcast, I ask people what their worst part-time job or worst job they'd ever worked. I've asked you that both before, so this is the first Just time I'm using it. Is that? Oh, there, there you go, the cue. Thank you. Massive clap for Elliot as well, doing the tech, hey. editing the podcast. Thank you very much. But instead, I'm going to ask, like, what's an alternative job? So if you weren't in music and you weren't in the creative industries and you could, uh, totally different to the arts, is there, like, a job you, like, as a kid or something, could see yourself doing? A wrestler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very, very quick. That was my gym job. Do you have a wrestler name? Uh, and I don't, but I've got a gimmick. So I, I played a festival once and I lost a bet. And because I lost a bet, I had to open the... And it was on the main stage. I had to open without the guitar and if I had to just got and sing a song by myself and in the review they thought it was a real thing so they said I was the bravest man alive so my gimmick would be the bravest man on earth but I'd never do anything brave so like I'd climb <laughs> up to the top rope and I'd go I don't have to prove I'm brave to any of you and that would be my whole thing I'd come out and I'd be like ah. and then my comeuppance would be I'd get pushed off a ladder for a table 
But then the next night I'd come out with a neck brace on and I'd go, you're welcome that I was so brave to fall off that ladder for each and everyone and people would boo me, so that'd be my... I've thought about it. You definitely thought I'm, about that one. I'm just not sure? fit enough to take the job. Ah, let's see. Jodie, do you have an answer? Yeah, um, thought about this. Um, I'm going to sit outside a tanning salon and when people come out and want to complain that their tan's really bad, I'll just go, could be worse. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I, either if they don't think they're dark enough, I'll be like, well, come on. And then if they think they're really patchy, I'll be like, I like have bits of me that are like blue. So like transparent. So yeah, I would do that or it. a bricklayer. Wow, that's I very, that's, but you've got a range. Yeah, got a range. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I get quick as well. We got. Uh, we'll, get, we'll try and leave ten minutes for our discussion. We'll, we'll be, try and be fast. But like, what's next for you both? Is it, have you got anything? I know you got your first ever headline show at King Tut's a week on Sunday. Is it? Yeah. Very exciting. Hopefully, I can come along. Yeah, that, that's exciting for you, Jodie. Um, yeah. So literally, the last time we spoke, I hadn't really done that many gigs so yeah um had my first ever sylvie gig in february so six months later it feels good to be finally doing a headline and um yeah just hoping that it's going to go well and i don't pee my pants that'll be good yeah we'll, we'll, i'm sure it'll be great yeah be come along if you like it's sunday night king tuts um 21st of august i'll try and make it good we'll be linked under the episode i don't even know if this will go out before Thanks. but if it does we'll do that because that's why i always say i've had it matt um, got anything cool coming up? Uh, nah. <laughs> wrestling? Nah, yeah, I've got to see the wrestling in Cardiff. Like. Nah, I, I, we just finished making another album and we're in pre-production for a video. And then um, I don't really know how much I'm allowed to say about everything else. And then we've got shows booked for next year. But So that's, that's good. Are doing a wee acoustic set in like a week or something? Oh, yeah. But see, I'll, I've done my research. Yeah, but only... La do you know what? I only do it the last minute and I'm only doing it for a favour. Like, so. But come, because it's for charity. <laughs> There we go. Got yeah, no, it's stuff. good. No, I'm excited about it. I'm stepping in the for Billy Mitchell. The exposure, though. Yeah. The exposure. I'm doing it for the exposure. Nah, I'm doing it because Billy Mitchell had to pull out and I love him to bits, so I said I'd step in for him. So, But yeah, we've got, we've got a new record coming next year and, and videos have become our thing, so we're you know planning a bunch of videos and then, yeah, I, I don't know what's happening because I started doing a bit of work in film, so like we're... Yeah, which I promised I would ask you about next time in the podcast and I don't yeah. know if we're going to have time. Maybe so you have to come back on again. You can jump in the seat and ask it from the audience. I'll that's that, yeah. <laughs> I'll cheat. Somebody ask a question about Matt's film work. Yeah. There we go. Um, and last one I have for you. I always like love to ask people their advice. So what would you, again, a few months on, what would your advice be to anyone that wanted to get into music? Do you want to go first, Jodie? Yeah, um, I would say mine's is set goals for yourself that you have control over. So like anything else that you don't have control over. For example, when the world was um, completely up in the air, I couldn't plan gigs because I knew that they wouldn't they, they might not transpire so um set goals that you can control so that's why I brought out uh that's why I brought out music during lockdown because I could do that and it didn't involve anyone else it just involved me and, and my work so I would say that and then my advice is once you create those goals for yourself other things it's almost like a domino effect other things just other doors start opening so once you've achieved that thing even things that you didn't think would happen from that other doors open. Like I came on your podcast in May and I didn't think that it would lead to speaking on something like this. It's just like little things happen and you think that in, you know, in the moment that that's what it is, but actually it can transpire into really cool other things as well. And you, and, and yeah. that's through the relationships that you create with people and just the, 
the, yeah, the exposure. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Gemma, it's an absolute pleasure to have you tonight. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much for having me. I think just, um, I don't know, I guess be true to yourself and always remember why you got into it and about like what you're saying, Jodie, it's kind of like <clears throat> plan for the best and for the worst, but have a space to be reactive. And I, I'm in a period just now where we had all these plans, everything was going and then it just stopped and I'm like, but also then every time time passes, stuff comes up and you think, you you, you get this worries and and, and any creative art form, you get this worry of like, oh, am I falling behind? And it's like, nah, it's just not. Someone once told me something great, and it was like, if if you don't follow through with an idea, it's just your brain's not ready to let it go. So to keep it in there, and then let the other ones come out. And I think just always be creative and be yourself, and just I don't, I, don't, I think it's hard to give advice, I think, because because I feel like people probably should be a bit like concerned, but I just think if fuck if people don't like me, fuck them. Because <laughs> I mean, like I think I think and I think that's a good lesson because. What I've learned in my time in music is <clears throat> when you do something for yourself because it's right, whatever, usually for me it's a principal thing, and then people don't want to work with you. See, as soon as things start working out for you, if you're worth money to some people, they'll always work with you. So don't sweat it. Don't think, well, they might not work with me in the future. If you're worth money, they will. And But you get to go back on your own terms, and it's the way you want it to be. And I've just always done it. Like, you know, See, if you don't want to play on our terms, we're going to go somewhere else because I respect me and my crew too much to put them through that. And I think so just be true to yourself and fight for the people who would fight for you and if they wouldn't fight for you fuck them that's it yeah. no, that's very good advice thank you both thank you both right I think I've actually might have just about done this on tech I'm a minute I'm a minute off but that was quite oh, good yeah, that was quite yeah so thank you Elliot right, I don't really know how we're going to do this I mean if you want to ask a question I don't know how far will this go Elliot we didn't have a tech run so we're sort of improvising a wee bit so, does anyone actually have a question? Because I'm going to have to fill 10 minutes if you don't, and that might. <laughs> mum has a question. Massive round of applause for my mum. You might have to come a bit closer. Yeah, that's as far as it goes. Thank you for supporting me, mum. It's probably more for Sylvie rather than you, Brian Bear. However, it's about nerves. How do you manage to control your nerves? Because I know you were talking about that on the podcast earlier this year. Um, I think, honestly, um, one of my life mottos is like, feel the fear and do it anyway. So like, even if you're absolutely SHIT in yourself, just, just put yourself through it. And usually it's not as scary in your head. And if it is, then you can look back and be like, I was really brave. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I, I've tried to like pre prepare a lot more than than what I usually would for anything in my life so that if, if that comes in the form of if you feel like you would feel more secure in yourself you know going to singing lessons every week or whatever which I haven't done I should but um or you know doing a ritual before every show or something like whatever is going to bring you comfort and um, it's it's also great to have a, a good support network around you not surround yourself with people who are going to make you feel like you're um, being like you know hard work or whatever for for feeling that way because ultimately if I didn't want if I if I if I couldn't be nervous I really would take that option um so yeah it's just about finding people who have patience and and who totally um accept you for who you are and yeah I mean I I also um will do like things like make sure um, I'm really hydrated before a show now to sort of calm those nerves of oh is my voice going to go or all these different things which 
caused nerves in the past. So, yeah. Um, do, you ever, do you ever get nervous as well, Matt? Because uh, you're like uh, the chillest person. So me, we were talking about this before. So we were chatting in our little group chat last night before the show. And me and Jodie are both clearly very nervous. We like to <laughs> overplan, getting stressed. And you're just like, ah, fine. I'm just going to get on it. Get we on were it. like, what outfit are we going to wear? We were yeah. like, is it smart or casual? And Matt I was mean, like, I think I'm just going to go jeans and t-shirt. <laughs> I just think, the m- this is like deep, but see, the more you try and control stuff, the less control you have, right? So it's let it happen. But I love that you don't think I'm nervous because before shows, I have... I, like <clears throat> so no one's allowed to there's rules to being in the crew so no one's allowed to ask about ticket sales uh, or if they know about ticket sales they're not allowed to say and I've got a tech Jamie Coleman who I love he's the greatest human being in the world and when I go to stage like whoever comes to take me to stage they have to take me straight to stage when we walk on to the music because if we don't I won't go on I'll honestly see if I, if I have to wait to say the stage I'll probably not do the show I get such bad nerves. I like. I just don't want to do a show. I hate. I hate touring. So like, it's like a huge thing for me, and it's like build up to it. And I and I only sing through a straw, and the whole day of a show, I'll never sing out loud. I only sing into a straw and water. That's amazing for your voice, by the way. Oh and my god, cool! There you go. Great. We'll talk about this later. We'll talk about this later. But <laughs> but yeah, I've got. So I've got like a total routine that I have to follow to do a show. So it's funny yeah. when people say, "Oh, you, you seem not nervous," but it's like I've learned to create boundaries that keep me from like having like mental anxiety and st- I mean I used to stay up for days and shit before shows and I'd get to like sound check and I'd fall asleep before the show and they'd be like please wake up <laughs> but I wasn't drinking and I was just so nervous I was like oh yeah no so, I'm, yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna quickly add into this question as well because I was absolutely bricking it before this and it's, it's kind of flown by it's been all right actually it's been lovely audience so thank you um but I think it also just doing it more and more and putting yourself out of your comfort zone just does help. I mean, I remember when I started this podcast speaking to a stranger online, I was like, what? And you sort of become more accustomed to it and now I feel like it benefits day-to-day life. So, yeah, 100%. Thank you very much for your answer. Does anyone else have a question? Uh, I reckon you've got another career as a philosopher, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, if it punts books, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, now, I reckon a lot of people in my age group think that there's know any new music or any good music coming out and I think you both kind of hit the nail on the head what you're talking about with the, the radio groups and that just none of the, the, the new music getting played and that so people can there's no platform for people to hear it and I was the same as everybody else until a couple of years ago till I joined Twitter now oh listen to his new music and can, I mean it's been the best thing ever for me and going to so many gigs and see new bands and all that kind of thing so how do you think you can kind of break the mould of what the kind of general public think or just don't know? I, th- I think it's like, it's people like yourself and it's like when you tell people go on Twitter and you share it and I think it's that and I think it's community touring. I think it's going back to people and just going door to door and saying, hey, we're here and and for us in this level, it's, you know, I guess it's probably ever getting around and pestering Bower Group and saying, no, do you know what, we're, gonna, we're not going to listen to your radio until you start investing in your music, until we... It's the same as everything in life, like, in life right now, like, because music is essentially like a shadow version of the world, and right now, the top 1% laughing, the 99 at the bottom aren't, and it's very much... The, the reason music escapes it is because it seems liberal, because we're listening to music. People don't think that that same greed is happening, and until we go and say, you know, we want rights and we want to fight, just like all the other workers are doing in all the industries, and like really say, hey, things need to change, like they won't change. But I, I do think we need to invest in music and like 
I don't know. Like I, I don't know the answers, and I just think we have to keep that mentality and really keep on fighting and believing that like we have a space. Because I believe there's people like yourself. I, I think there's a whole audience out there who are music lovers and music buyers who don't know how to engage with music because so much of it's just churned out just to get by and just to stream numbers. But fucking stream as stream means fuck all. Like a physical copy that's like collecting, and I think people we're, as humans we love to collect. So. I think it's just people like yourselves going out and just keep spreading that word and keep going and buying and supporting and it'll, it'll get there. And I don't know, I guess we have to go to Parliament and give some big speeches or something. Mm-hmm. Like what's you, you can yeah, do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, word of mouth is so powerful. Like I don't think people realise how much like the, the power of sharing something with your friend at work or whatever makes such a difference or playing something in your car while you've got a car full of people or whatever. And, and I think what you're saying is that um, a lot of the sort of stuff on the radio, I don't really particularly like the stuff on the radio either. And if that was my impression of what new music has to offer, I don't think I'd really think very highly of it either. But when you go underground and when you go to the music that is being made, you find that there's so much substance in it that you don't hear on the radio. 100%. Um, I think we might be out of time now. We've got a minute, so I need to wrap up anyway. But massive round of applause for Jodie and Matt. Thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. Lovely having you both on. And just very very quickly um, we're going to be here for the next three Wednesdays we've got two more shows after this next week we're interviewing Black Scott Pod which is going to be a good one and then the week after we've got a sort of special looking at emerging creatives from across and just being very honest about how hard it is a bit like what we've kind of done tonight at times um, and also I mean this is we normally don't do live shows so please support us on social media listen to the podcast share it all that stuff it's very hard to have a podcast like a music it's all saturated and if you're not rich then it's very difficult so Thank you very much for coming out. I hope you enjoy the rest of your fringe. Quick plug to Kyle as well. He's got a show on tonight, Liars and Clowns, 10.20. I can't remember where it is. It's just over there. Take a flyer from him at the end. He's a patron of this podcast, so he gets special privileges. Thank you, everyone. Have a lovely fringe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I hope you enjoyed the first of our live specials. It's so nice to hear it with like an audience clapping and laughing along and like just the guests sort of having such a good time, such energy. I mean, obviously started this on Zoom, so to take it to an audience like that is just so special and it's, yeah, it's incredible. So I hope you enjoyed it. I can't wait to do our last one on Wednesday night. I hope to see as many of you there at the Voodoo Rooms, 20 past seven on Wednesday again. But thank you again to Matt and Jody for coming on and chatting to us live. It was, it was a great night. And some of the stuff they spoke about is so important as well and it's just great to have these conversations and after the show we had quite a lot of chat about it on Twitter so if you'd listened today and you agree with some of what they've been saying please get in touch and let us know that about your thoughts on the issues and, and get involved in the conversation these are really important conversations especially in music at the moment so they're important to keep going but as well remember to check out Matt and Jody's music Brian Brown Sylvie go and, go and search them on Spotify there'll be links to their music and stuff under the podcast so yeah anyway have a lovely week we'll be back again next week with another one of our live episodes we'll be going out It's time for our last special tomorrow, so wish us luck. Anyway, have a lovely week, folks, and take care. Just get a real job.